The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. It's been one of those years. It was a little over a year ago that our life was drastically interrupted by the pandemic. In fact, it felt like chaos, to be honest with you. It was on March 27th that I put Kim on a plane for New York City to go and help in what was one of the crisis, the health crisis of our lifetime. And soon enough, not only was the coronavirus in New York, it was all over the United States, and it was all over the globe. It was chaos, it felt like. And there was fear, and there was lots of it, and it was appropriate to be afraid. Because if you remember back, we didn't quite know what this virus was. We didn't know exactly who it would affect. We didn't know who would get sick or how it spread. We didn't know who would end up in the hospital. There were a lot of things that we didn't know. We didn't know how to treat it. Fix this. There's also lots of confusion. If you remember, there was confusion about should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? What was a safe distance? Should we go on doing the work we're doing or how do we go on with life? It felt like chaos and fear and confusion. And because we were locked down and locked inside, there was Enormous concern about mental health, and rightfully so. I mean, the mental stress that was in our lives. The emotional fatigue. It was all that we could do to connect with others. In fact, it was very hard to connect with people around you because you felt so distant and isolated. I had one friend tell me not long ago, he says, Ben, it felt like this past year that life was draining from our bodies. It's the draining of our energy. Our energy's been drained. For many of us, our, our, our patience has been drained out of us. And for lots of us, our finances have been drained. And anticipating what the new normal will look like, it feels like our way of life, the, what we're used to, has been drained. There's going to be, there were some days, to be quite honest, that it felt like hope was draining. It's been one of those years. Well, welcome to Sunday morning. Glad you guys are here. I want to say welcome to all uh, who are visitors. Thank you for joining us. For all of you that are part of this family, we're super happy that you're here. For all of you that are joining us online, happy Easter. And I also want to say this, as, as we've gone on in this pandemic and, and started meeting together, there are faces every week that I haven't seen for over a year, people that are a part of this family, that maybe it's their first time back. And so we are so happy to see you. Rightfully so, you've been away, but we're so happy to see you. 
and we're glad that you're home with us and feel safe. We're in the sermon series in the Gospel of Mark, and so today, Easter Sunday, we want to continue that by reading from Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 35 through 43. It says this, that while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went in where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately, the girl stood up, began to walk around. She was only 12 years old. At this, they were completely amazed and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and he told them to give the girl something to eat let's pray father as always we give you thanks for your word for in the beginning your word created the world and it is our life and we believe that we have life because you speak it into us. So God, speak your good news into us today. And as always, we pray for ears to hear, hearts to follow, and lives and bodies to obey. And God, I pray for the gift of preaching. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. It's been one of those days for Yaris, the synagogue leader. What's interesting about this story that we find in Mark chapter 5 is the extraordinary detail. Mark, Mark moves fairly quickly, so it moves from one event to the next. And Mark doesn't give many background details or context for the story, but it just moves from one detail or one event to the next in Mark, just quickly like that. But in this story, it's a little bit different. For Mark takes the time to let us know, to let us know that, the, that this story is building to something. Because stories like this, while they may happen in a moment, stories like Yaris is feeling or experiencing, they feel like a lifetime. So if you go back in verse 21 of chapter 5, verse 21, it says this. So when Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Yaris came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'd be healed and live. So Jesus went with them. There's something that we need to know about 
Yaris in this story. He's a synagogue leader, which means basically he's the president of the synagogue. And while that sounds like a pretty big title, he's from a fairly small village, either Capernaum or right outside. And so it's not that big of a title. But with that title and with that job comes a few responsibilities that are both religious and political. So when Jesus comes to town, it can't be a welcoming prospect for Yairus. Because you see, the Jewish leaders have been really suspect with Jesus up to this point. I mean, Jesus, first of all, he's kind of seen as a religious troublemaker to most of the Jewish leaders. So he does things like this in the Gospel of Mark. He, he doesn't fast. His disciples don't fast like they should, and they question him about that. He has the audacity to forgive sins, which they become quite upset about. He drives out demons, and they ask him, does you drive out demons by the name of demons? They think he's from not God, but somewhere else. And he goes around healing on the Sabbath. And so when Jesus comes to town, Yaris should rebuke Jesus. He should go in front, confront him and rebuke him at most, or at very least, he should keep a suspicious eye on him and make sure he doesn't cause too much trouble. There's not only religious concerns that Yaris has in this. There's also political ones. I mean, Jesus has been going around all around Galilee proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming this kingdom movement which is about to erupt. And for Yaris, this is a dangerous thing because if Herod hears about this guy who claims to be king and this new kingdom that's about to erupt, this could be very dangerous politically for the Jewish people in and around Yaris' village. I mean, imagine if he went and actually greeted and welcomed Jesus. Imagine the next response he'll get the following Sabbath by the Jewish leaders. Imagine the whispers that will go around at the temple, the synagogue on Sabbath. But there's one thing, and when Jesus shows up to town, there's one thing that happens that really makes Yaris forget about his religious concerns and the political danger. His daughter is sick. And if anybody in this room has a child that's sick and dying, there is no religious controversy which will stop you from getting help for your child. There is no political danger that will cause you to fear and run away from helping and saving your child. So Yaris, Jesus comes to town. He throws his pride aside and he forgets all about his fears. And he runs up to Jesus 
and he throws himself at his feet and he says, my daughter's dying. Can you please come? And Jesus, like that, he follows him along the way. But as they travel along the way, they get interrupted. See, it's not only been one of those days for Yaris, it's been one of those days for Jesus as well. Because the night before, if you go back in chapter 4, just that night before, Jesus is sleeping in a boat. And he's calmly sleeping with his disciples on the boat as well. And during the night, the winds start picking up and the waves start really crashing over the side of the boat. An enormous storm with lots of chaos starts to happen. And the disciples are confused and they're afraid. And so they go down to Jesus and say, wake up, wake up, teacher. Don't you care if we drown? And then Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and he says to the disciples, why are you afraid? Do you have no faith? And then the sun comes up and they land on shore. And sure enough, as Jesus gets out of the boat, to go do whatever he's going to do, he's interrupted again. For a man bursts out of a tomb and runs up to Jesus. And it just so happens that this is a guy that the community is afraid of. They can't handle this guy. In fact, they've tried to chain him and bind him, but he breaks out of all those chains. In fact, he lives in a cave where they bury people. He effectively lives in a tomb he cuts and hurts himself. And this man is demon-possessed. And as soon as Jesus gets off the boat to go do whatever he's doing, he's interrupted by this demon-possessed guy, and he walks up to him, and Jesus says, what's your name? And the demon says, our name is Legion, for we are many. And Jesus tells the demons to be quiet. And then he sees a drove of pigs. And he tells the demons to leave that man. And he sends him into the pigs. The pigs run off over a cliff and drown in the sea. And what happens next is astonishing. For the people in that town, when they saw that demon-possessed man dressed in his right mind, they were terrified. And they said, Jesus, you've got to get out of here. We're afraid. So Jesus, he doesn't get off the shore. But he turns around and he gets back in the boat. And they cross back across the sea. And then as he gets out again to go do whatever he's doing, he's interrupted again by Yaris, the synagogue leader, who says, my daughter is dying. Please come. So immediately he goes and he starts traveling to Yaris' house. But then he's interrupted again. In chapter 5, verse 24 through 34, it says this. So Jesus went with Yaris. 
A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him, so he turned around to the crowd, and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see all these people crowding against you? His disciples answered, and yet you, you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at Jesus' feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth about what had happened. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Life had been draining out of this woman's body for 12 years. Which is the same amount of time Yaris' daughter had been alive. And now, life is draining out of that 12-year-old girl's body as well. This woman... She's afraid to speak to Jesus. So she thinks to herself, all I have to do is touch him. All I have to do is get close enough and just touch him. So he does. And by the way, she's not the only one touching Jesus. But as she touches him, with all the other people touching Jesus, Jesus turns around and says, who did you touch me? And the disciples are like, what? Everyone's touching you. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Who touched me? And it says, the woman finally came to him, and she was trembling with fear. And she tells the whole truth about how she touched him and how she was healed. But remember, it's been one of those days because as soon as that woman tells what happened and Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go on your way. As soon as that happens, Jesus is interrupted again. Verse 35 and 36, it says this. While Jesus was still speaking to that woman, some people came from the house of Yaris, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. What's fascinating about this statement is that throughout, from end of chapter 4 all the way to chapter 5, there's one story over another about people being afraid. 
Jesus is sleeping below deck, and the storm happens, and the disciples are afraid. And he calms the wind and the waves, and he says to them, why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? And then when he gets to shore, he encounters this demon-possessed man, and everyone's afraid of him. And there's good reason probably to be afraid of this guy. And he walks up to Jesus, and the demon-possessed man says, we know who you are. And Jesus commands the evil spirits to go into pigs, and they run off a cliff. And then the whole crowd, once they see that this demon-possessed man has been healed, they become afraid, and they tell Jesus to leave. Then he gets back on the boat, and he goes across the sea, and he encounters Yaris, and Yaris comes up to him pleading, and you could hear it in his voice. Every one of you would have the same fear. When you come up to Jesus and says, my daughter is dying, please come. And you hear the fear. And then he encounters along the way a woman who is afraid to touch, is afraid to speak to him. So she just touches him. And when Jesus asks, who touched me? It says she finally came and fessed up, but she was trembling with fear. And then when they come to give the news, to say, your daughter's dead. Don't bother him anymore. Jesus has the audacity to tell the father, Yaris, he says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Church, don't be afraid. Just believe. Then in verse 41, it says, he went inside where the girl was, and he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up began to walk around. She's only 12 years old. And at this, they were completely amazed. In this story, Brett told me this week he read this story from a children's Bible to his kids. And what it said, when that Jesus walked into that little girl's room, that he shook her and says, little girl, it's time to get up. And then this is while they, this is what the children's book, this is how he put it. I love this. It says that Jesus reached down into death and pulled the little girl up to life. It's been one of those days. There's been interruptions all day. A storm, a demon-possessed man, a sick girl, a dying woman. But in a day full of interruptions, it is Jesus who interrupts death with life. And then all of a sudden, it's one of those days. It's one of those days. I lived in Uganda for six years as a missionary. And we, I would go out 
five days a week, sometimes six days a week, and I'd go out to rural areas in a region called Busoga uh, in Uganda. And we'd do discipleship and teaching and church planting. So every day I went out with a plan, either to visit someone or to teach or, or to have a meeting. But oftentimes I would go to the village and it wasn't strange for there to be interruptions. Not stuff that I planned on. And probably the most common interruption is that I would get to a village and someone would have died in that village. And so they would say, hey, come on, we have to go to a funeral. And I'm really sad to say that for the, at least the first half or most of my time in Uganda, I really saw those as interruptions of my work. It's kind of embarrassing now. But I thought, <sighs> because most of the time, the people that we would go to the funeral, I didn't know that person. But the whole village would gather for, the, for a funeral. So it was one day I went to the village of Nwangama to meet with church leaders and to teach and to have some time where we met together. But when I got there, they said, hey, we've got to go to the neighboring village of Chomya. Someone's died. So we went over to the village of Chomya, and there were over a thousand people there. And this was quite normal as well because I was an outsider, a visitor. They would ask me to speak. And so when I was there that day, they said, hey, we want you to preach this funeral. And it just so happened that the person that died was a 12-year-old girl. So I told this story. And I said to them, I know death is hard. But don't be afraid. Just believe. And there was a corner. Everybody stood. I stood on a mango tree and everybody was standing out in the open space. There was over a thousand people. And the, the road, the dirt road kind of bent around some trees. And you couldn't really see around the road. So I started saying, don't be afraid, just believe. Because Jesus is coming around that corner. And when he gets here, he's going to say, Talitha kum to this little girl. Get up. And I kept repeating that over and over again. I said, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus is coming around the corner. And every time I said, Jesus is coming around that corner, they all went. And I thought, oh, maybe, I, maybe something was lost in translation. But after I finished preaching and everybody kind of, the funeral had finished, a group of people came up to talk to me afterwards. And they said to me, can you come to our village next week? I said, sure. I said, because we want to know more about this Jesus that's on the way coming. So I went that next week, and over the course of the next few weeks, we talked about this Jesus who was on the way coming. And God, God began a church in that village. He raised up people in that place to believe and hope that Jesus was coming around the corner to say, Talitha kum, get up to that little girl and to everyone else in that village. 
for many of us, it's been one of those days. In fact, for many of us, it's been one of those years. We've been through a year of chaos, fear, and confusion. But do not be afraid. Just believe. Talitha Kroon. Get up. Jesus is coming. We felt like we've been prisoners in caves and tombs all year long with mental stress and emotional fatigue and having a hard time connecting with others. But I say to you, do not be afraid. Just believe. Talitha kum, get up, church. Jesus is coming. We've been in a year where many of us are drained. We're drained of energy. We're drained of patience. We're drained of our finances. It feels like life is slowly being drained from us. you've heard those words it's too late it's already done it's gone or it's too late don't bother they're already dead I say to you don't be afraid just believe because Jesus is coming to tell you and me and the entire world Talitha Kum Get up. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Talitha Kum, get up, stand up, and let us sing and proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ today.